sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after. I'm Dubs Anderson filling in for Benny Stevens here on a Wednesday morning. And what a Wednesday it is. We've got a little uh, World Series coming up tonight. But let's talk a little NBA. Big news dropping there yesterday. The Brooklyn Nets and head coach Steve Nash agree to part ways. I love it when they say we agree to part ways. That means they don't want Steve Nash and he's getting the bag. Here's hundreds of millions of dollars. We just can't have you coaching this Nets lineup. And it's been a tumultuous offseason, to say the least. And, uh, Kevin Durant, he wanted out, saying, I can't work with Steve Nash if he's going to be the coach. Kyrie Irving is just being Kyrie Irving. Ben Simmons comes back. He's been under the microscope the last 12 months there. For the Brooklyn Nets, it's been a pretty lackluster start to this season's campaign. Not good enough, given that star power that they've got there at the helm. But we look last night, they're back out there on the court, taking on the Bulls. Did that change anything? Steve Nash not being on the sideline with the clipboard? No, I don't think so. The Bulls dusted him. 108 to 99. And I can't even give Kevin Durant a hard time. He is doing a lot for this side. 38 minutes he goes for. 32, 9, and 6. Um, so we can't complain about Kevin Durant. He, uh, he tells us that he was taking a nap when he found out about head coach Steve Nash getting the old dust off there. Kyrie Irving. Maybe he feels a little guilty for this one. Puts up four points last night against the Chicago Bulls. Two and six start for the Brooklyn Nets. That is that is in no means acceptable for a team with so much talent on that roster. So if it's not going to be Steve Nash, who is the next guy in line? Yes, it is Ime Udoka, who did so well last year with the Celtics, who worked under Steve Nash as an assistant here at the Brooklyn Nets. But... It's no secret, Ime is currently suspended for the next uh, 12 months for the Celtics there for having indiscretions, if you will, with the front office. I'm not going to get into that, but now this is the guy that Brooklyn are going to turn to to steady the ship, to get that locker room sorted. I mean, come on. How is this okay for the NBA, for these players, for Brooklyn to bring it? This is the best fine we could get, I mean, for Steve Nash. Probably th- thank you, blessings. It's probably best to get out of Brooklyn. This has got to be a toxic environment, a toxic locker room, hanging out with these guys. I'm a doka. It sounds like it is close to being a very done deal. I expect that to be announced today that he will be the new coach for the Brooklyn Nets. Can they turn it around? I mean, we look at these numbers here. They uh, they went in the offseason as one of your favorites to take out the title. We thought Kyrie Irving was coming out west. We thought uh, KD was no longer going to be there in the mix. So that number rockets to 40. It goes back to seven. Now to take out the division at four to one. Conference number at plus 550 to win the title at 13 to one. I mean, can we actually entertain the Brooklyn Nets to somehow try and figure it out at 13 to one? Talk about a bunch of misfits. Now you're bringing your doka to try and get these guys clicking on all cylinders. I don't know. I just can't buy into it. I would be very, very shocked if Kevin Durant sticks out to the end of the season. I think he's very close to saying, this is not what I signed up for. I want to win a championship. I want to win 
rings. And right now, I just can't see it. The clock is ticking. These players are not getting any younger. And for Kyrie Irving, it's any day that he could walk into that organization and say, hey, you know what? Basketball, just not for me. Doesn't really get me going anymore. I've got enough bucks sitting in the bank account. I don't really need this. As we welcome in our radio listeners, Channel 159, this is The Morning After. I'm Dubs Anderson. Breaking down the latest news there, Brooklyn Nets decide to part ways with head coach Steve Nash. Uh, Rumors circulating that Ime Adoka is going to be the next man up, but it didn't really help the cause there last night. The Chicago Bulls getting it done over Brooklyn, 108 to 99. Kevin Durant still putting up fantastic numbers. Great to have the NBA back in the mix there. The Bulls, decent start for them. Four and four to start their season, two and two away. DeRozan, he was fantastic again, 24 and one. Zach Levine, I mean, that's my guy. Dwight Howard is Superman? No, I don't think so. Zach Levine is my guy, putting up 20 point, 29 points last night. The Bulls could be a team to watch as we're getting started here, early doors in the season. I like the value we're getting on them on the nightly and they've definitely got that upside. What about Dwight Howard? I've seen him popping up on social media this week saying he's been hard done by. He needs to get back in the league. Maybe come back out to the West Coast, baby. Dwight, we'd actually take you out here in LA. Uh, but that is the big news coming from the association. Steve Nash no longer up top there for the Brooklyn Nets. But what does Steve Nash also like to do when he's not getting ejected from games? He likes a bit of soccer. And we got a very big week in soccer this week. we got Champions League coming up this afternoon. But we also have the final of the MLS, the domestic league. The Philadelphia Union are going to be taking on LAFC this Saturday. Maybe Steve Nash will get tickets, try and get the mind off things. Maybe he'll look to coaching in MLS. I'm sure these guys are a lot easier to manage than the likes of those superstars he was dealing with in Brooklyn. Who do we like for the MLS final? We're going to ride with LAFC. The final is here in Los Angeles, minus 140. I don't care if Gareth Bale decides he wants to play or if he wants to rest for that World Cup. I think LAFC are going to get it done. Top of the West taking on the top of the East. I mean, what a plethora of sports we have this week where we can make those dollars. Make that bread, baby. The Champions League coming up here in a couple of hours. Soccer, NBA, NFL, World Series, Game 4, coming up tonight let's make some money this is the morning after keep it right here sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back into the morning after. I'm Dubs Edison filling in for Benny Stevens here on a Wednesday. Time to look at the old NFL. Make some dollars. We welcome in VIP Chantel Chan. Time to make a band, Chantel. Happy Wednesday. Always great to see you breaking down a little football. And I got to tell you what, it, it upsets me seeing some of these aging quarterbacks not stepping up to the mark. I'm looking at Rogers. I'm looking at Tom Brady. But it also upsets me how good Josh Allen is. And yesterday, he picks up another piece to the puzzle there. They get running back Neiman Hines, who is going to be an absolute weapon in that backfield. But talk to me, um, MVP, I know it's still early days here, but what do you make of Josh Allen and how impressive that Bills lineup has been? 
Listen, it's no surprise Josh Allen coming into this season playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder considering what happened in the playoffs last year with the Kansas City Chiefs and he hasn't disappointed. I mean, he's the favorite this season to win MVP and he's shown with the Buffalo Bills who right now only have one loss on their record that they are also Super Bowl favorites and that's why I think he also is the MVP to win it. But when I take a look at those odds, there's some really good names on that list and I know Josh Allen is the favorite favorite and I know the Bills are playing great and they even got better but I actually really like Jalen Hurts at plus 380 as well because he's one of those guys that has really shined this year and when you look at Philly they're undefeated and Jalen Hurts is one of those guys who came into the league and he's already been through so much when you go back to his college career playing at Alabama and there was that quarterback controversy with him and Tua. Tua gets hurt in the SEC championship game and Jalen Hurts comes in and they end up winning, then transfers to OU, does his thing there, then gets drafted by Philly and everyone's talking about you know, how he isn't a QB one guy, how he can't be a starter in the NFL. And right now he's looking really good. When you take a look at, you know, his stats, he has 10 passing touchdowns. I believe he has six rushing touchdowns. He's thrown for over 1700 yards. So when I take a look at value, yes, Josh Allen is the favorite and he's balling out this year, but I also really, really like Jalen Hurts right now. And you can also never count out a guy like Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar Jackson, uh, we know he's got those wheels, plus 950 there. Jalen Hurts at plus 380. I completely agree with you. I'm so impressed. This is a guy that I'd like to have a couple of cold ones with, but he has made every opportunity a winner, a coach's son, the consummate professional, and he's bringing that out to the field this season. The Eagles, 7-0, undefeated to start the season, and there's still skeptics saying, well, they haven't had a tough schedule. They're not going to play anyone too tough. The, the Cowboys defense was okay when they ran up against them. They're taking on the Texans this Thursday night. They're laying 14 points. The Texans 1-5-1. One, and one. This could be a scary sight in Houston on Thursday, Chantel. Yeah, but one thing to consider is it is a short week, but when you take a look at the spread there, the Eagles, they're third in the league in offense. They have a top five defense and Houston gives up about 400 yards a game, over 400 yards a game. And I think Davis Mills in this offense, they're, they're going to struggle against this Eagles defense. So despite the fact that the spread is large, I'm going to lay the points here and roll with the Eagles because right now they're undefeated and they're looking like the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I like that look. Uh, talking about Josh Allen and the Bills, they'll be taking on the Jets, who are starting to look a little shaky there last weekend. I've been on the bandwagon for the old Jets there. Buffalo laying 13 on the road in New Jersey. How's this one playing out? Can Zach Wilson get it together? He's starting to look a little shaky. Listen, uh, Zach Wilson, I know the Jets have had this quarterback position where they can't find a quarterback, and unfortunately, Zach Wilson hasn't looked like that guy. When I take a look at the spread, it's a large... That's that's mad. Zach, Zach Wilson, I mean, we saw him in the presser this week saying, I don't do stats. I don't look at stats. My guy, you are a professional athlete in 2022. Yes, you do stats. Monday in the tape room. Yes, you do stats. I cannot buy into that narrative. Such a mama's boy, Zach Wilson. So the Bills will be taking on the Jets there, laying 13. I can't decide. The Jets, I lost a bit of confidence there with them 
last Sunday. I think Josh Allen has every every tool he needs. Now with Hines, who we expect to be at running back there on Sunday, very, very scary proposition. We got Thursday night football, comeback contenders there. Saquon Barkley. Let's talk about Saquon Barkley in the career renaissance he is having this season. People wrote him off. They said, big calves is done. He's no longer one of the best running backs in the league. Well, the Giants, they're, they're looking okay there. dayball has got those boys absolutely cooking on all cylinders. And I love me some Saquon Barkley. Look at these stats for him. 779 rushing yards. Five tuts. Uh, unbelievable. Comeback player of the year, minus 155. And we'll throw in a little slice of Geno Smith. 1,924 passing yards with 13 tons there. The Seahawks taken on the Cardinals this Sunday, Chantel. I like what I've seen from Geno Smith. He's a gamer. People say, well, he's not a a starting quarterback in this league. I would say maybe look at Kyler Murray and ask that question. Is he a starting quarterback in this league? I don't mind the Seahawks getting points this Sunday, Chantel. Yeah, the Seahawks have looked great so far, and that's a big surprise because coming into this season, I think everyone thought that they would be at the bottom of the NFC West. And Geno Smith, there's talk about him being looked at as the MVP as well, and that's why you definitely got to look at for him, for comeback player of the year. I believe he's a plus 200 right now. You take a look at Geno Smith's career, you know, tore it up at West Virginia, gets drafted by the Jets. He gets into an altercation, gets his jaw broken, and then becomes this backup quarterback that goes to the Giants, to the Chargers, finds himself in Seattle, plays that backup role behind Russ, fills in for Russ when he gets injured. But at the same time, when I took a look at those games, because I am here in the Northwest, get a lot of those Seahawks games, he was still on the sidelines learning and talking to his teammates so he built a good rapport with them and when I take a look at Geno Smith and everything that he's been through not only is he the comeback player of the year but this is probably one of the best stories in the NFL this season so for me for sure Geno Smith you know getting some eyes for MVP I wouldn't go that far just yet uh, but he's had a great season and for me he definitely is comeback player of the year Yeah, Seattle's have been monsters there, especially if you're going to give me points. Sign me up. Let's take a look at some of the coaches and who was impressed early in the season. We must have a comedian um, as one of the producers there, Chantel, because they've got Nathaniel Hackett listed as one of the coaches of the year. I mean, please, come on, guys. What is happening? Nick Sirianni with the Eagles there at 20-1 to to start the season. Now minus 105, Pete Carroll, who we just mentioned for the Seahawks, at 12 to 1, that's not a bad shout. Brandon Staley at 100 to 1. He opened at 14 to 1. Nathaniel Hackett, very entertaining, boys. 250 to 1, and I'm still not going anywhere near that. Chantel, who's impressed in the coaching ranks for you? Well, I just talked about the Seahawks. Pete Carroll, plus 1,200. Seahawks sit at the top of the NFC West. Like I said, who would have thought that at the beginning of the season? If you told me that, I probably would have laughed. But right now, they've exceeded expectations. Pete Carroll's got his rookies playing well as well. Uh, Kenneth Walker has been balling. Charles Cross, Lucas. And the one guy that I really like on their defense is Jordan Brooks, the stud out of Texas Tech. He's been in the league for quite some time now. And he has really filled the shoes there in Seattle, which, as you know, in previous years they've had a great defense but right now the Seahawks are one of the best coach teams in the league and Pete Carroll needs to get a nod there for sure for coach of the year yeah who's not well coached and why do they suck so bad Denver Broncos Nathaniel Hackett I mean what is going on dangerous they got to win there on Sunday but where did it all go wrong Chantel 
I think it just comes to the chemistry and Russell Wilson right now, he doesn't have that chemistry with his teammates. And of course, Denver made a big move to trade Bradley Chubb. They get a first round pick in the draft this year, which they didn't have. They only had two third round picks. So they're going to be making some changes, but I do believe that the Broncos have a chance to turn it around, hopefully, uh, but it's kind of looking like a, a steep hill right now. Yeah, Chantel Chan breaking it all down. NFL coming up here on Sunday, Thursday Night Football. Chantel, go enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll catch up again soon. Let's ride. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're back at it here on the morning after. I'm Dubs Anderson. It's time to talk a little hoops. No one better in the business. Brian Fonseca. Brian, before we jump in to some of the games on tonight's slate to dish out some dimes, we've got to talk about Steve Nash, the Brooklyn Nets, agreeing to part ways there yesterday. Steve Nash no longer as head coach up top. I mean, if you're Steve Nash, you're probably going home to the missus saying, it's over. It's finally over. We can move on from this. But what do you make for the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, this thing's an absolute disaster. They didn't want him. Now he's gone. Where to next? What happened to this organization? Like, Dubs, as somebody who was there from 2016 to 2019, I was covering them for another outlet. And it, it was great. They had culture. They had development. They were saying all the right things. They were doing all the right things. And Luis Scola famously said, once they, once they win, they'll get anything they want, right? Which ended up happening in the form of, I guess, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan in the clean sweep of 2019. And they were doing things the right way. And then once they turned their organization over to stars, it just completely changed. And then all of a sudden, what you have is you have no culture. You have complete dysfunction as an organization. You're not developing guys at the same rate. Like Nicholas Claxon's gotten better and things of that nature, but you're not really doing what you used to do in terms of finding these diamonds in the rough, like a Spencer Dinwiddie drafting Karis LeVert when people thought he was going to go in the second round and then making him into a player. Uh, finding Joe Harris, who he's been injured the last couple of years, and he was really one of their great stories early on. And having veteran leadership in the locker room in the form of Jared Dudley and Ed Davis. And they were a fun team that was going in the right direction. And some net fans will say people romanticize that team, even though they lost in the first round of playoff series against the Sixers in 2018, 2019, the D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen led Brooklyn Nets. But imagine if they just kept developing that team and kept most of that team together with Kenny Atkinson, who was a better coach than Steve Nash, who is probably a better coach than Jacques Vaughn and at least doesn't have the issues that, oh, by the way, Ime Udoka has, who's about to be brought into this organization reportedly. And it's like, what are you doing? At this rate, you might as well sign Miles Bridges and Josh Primo and just lean all the way into these problematic, you know, whatever uh, choices or whatever the case may be. And we haven't even gotten to the point yet, Dubs, where, because... The thing with Kyrie Irving is very complicated, and we've talked about him so much, and I'm not a Kyrie Irving guy at all. 
And that's before you even get to the injury history because he gets hurt a lot. Kevin Durant's been getting hurt a lot lately after the Achilles. And Ben Simmons, he's gotten hurt a lot. He missed his entire rookie season. He missed all of last year. You know, there's some mental health component to that. But also he had back surgery, reportedly. Like, we haven't even got to the injury part of this yet. Like, this has all gone to hell. And they just bungled it. Like, what, what, what happened to this team? Yeah, I mean, it is an absolute mess. And I feel like it's a practical joke, right? They're sitting in the boardroom saying, okay, we're going to get rid of Steve Nash. Who can we get in here to bring in a little professionalism, build a little culture in the locker room? What about that guy on suspension? I mean, Adoka, and we know what he's been up to. I mean, come on, my guys, what is happening? But I mean, t- talking about the basketball aspect of it alone, Kevin Durant, if he's healthy right now, I mean, how long can he keep putting up 38 minutes a night trying to do everything for this team? I'm scared that Corey Irvin is going to walk in one day and say, you know what? I don't like playing basketball anymore, at least not with you guys. Deuces, I'm out. And for Benny Simmons, maybe he just says, I've been trying to find that jump shot. I just can't find anymore. We're a complete disaster. It's been a very slow start season for the Nets, but can we look for any kind of positives out there on the floor? Brian, looking at these numbers, four to one to take out the division. No, I just refuse. God. I'm not going to do it. Like, I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> like they're not better than the Celtics. I don't think they're even better than the Raptors. Uh, the Knicks are playing pretty well. I would say that at their best, they'd be better than the Knicks. But the the Nick the Knicks are more functional right now. Dare I say? Um, that's like, and I don't even feel like that's a discussion at this point. And then you also have the Philadelphia 76ers who, I mean, look, they're, they have their own problems. I thought they were like tailor-made to finish top seed Eastern conference and losing the second round of the playoffs. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to get the top seed at the rate that they're going, but we'll see. And uh, I think uh, in terms of, in terms of first coach fired, I have literally a bet with some other people where Steve Nash was the name that I bet. I didn't think it'd be on November 1st. I thought he'd at least make it closer to Christmas. But it was Steve Nash. Yeah. But the second coach fired Doc Rivers. It could happen if the Sixers don't really like get it together, whatever the case would be. I don't wish that on anybody necessarily. Well, you know, some people maybe, but not Steve Nash and Doc <laughs> Rivers. They seem fine. Um, and I think that ultimately, like, I don't think the Nets are gonna win their division, their conference, their title. Um, I like I don't see how you would bet on them for anything at this point. Maybe player props if you're feeling good, but like for me, for the last couple of years, and this was a theme when I was on here. All season long last year, how were they one of the favorites coming out of the Eastern Conference? It just doesn't make sense. It's like even at their best, it's like they still have all these flaws. And to even get to their best, they have to overcome so much and quiet so much coming on from the outside. Justifiably so, because they're a damn train wreck at this point. Yeah, absolute disaster. Let's talk about one of the big games on tonight's slate. The Celtics, who are 4-2 to start the season, were one of your preseason favorites coming in. But what about those Cavaliers? 5-1, and 3-0 and at home. They have been quite the surprise package. Uh, Boston laying two tonight on the road. What do you make of uh, the old Cleveland Cavaliers? They've found something. Donovan Mitchell averaging 32 points per game. Very impressive. With seven assists and competing on the defensive side of the floor. And defense, great defense isn't always like measured by steals and blocks. In this case, though, you can see where like the quantification like it makes sense there's one and a half one over one and a half steals a game half a block per game but when you watch him like he's just giving more effort and i guess taking it to heart to some degree 
competing on that end and what people were saying about him last year, which was a horrendous defensive season. Um, but Donovan Mitchell has been great. I mean, he keeps this up. I don't think he will to this degree. I do think he's going to have a good season, but if he keeps this up, he could be an MVP candidate uh, shooting, you know, shooting 50% from the field, about 46% from three forty-six. If he keeps that up, then forget it. But I, you know, I was high on this Cleveland team. I think they could also be a 50 win team. I just also think that like, they might not get the best playoff series draw, even if they do that, yeah. right? Like I had them 50 wins and about third in the Eastern conference, but that means you might play the Raptors or potentially the heat though. They might finish a little bit above that. Um, You know, like you're going to get a difficult matchup regardless because the Eastern conference is so stacked. You could also get the nets and I think they'd probably win that series. Um, But with the Cleveland Cavaliers, I just think they're very good. I think you have four guys on that team who are all-star caliber. I don't know if Evan Mobley is going to make an all-star game this year, but I think he's definitely a future perennial all-star. Jared Allen made one last year. Darius Garland made one last year. And Donovan Mitchell's made multiple in the Western Conference. And at this rate, Donovan Mitchell, you could pencil him in as one of the 12 or so all-stars uh, that's going to be in the Eastern Conference in February. Um, but as far as this game goes, like, I like how Cleveland's looked. I think the Celtics, they haven't been their Boston Celtics selves defensively yet. I haven't felt like their defense is where it was last year. Maybe that's Robert Williams being out, and he's obviously a big part of that, and he's going to be struggling with that knee now, unfortunately. I, you know, I would probably – I don't like betting NBA spreads, especially this early on in the year because it's so tricky. But the Cleveland Cavaliers, like, on the money line is something I could live with. Maybe that, maybe parlay that with something else. Maybe Pels over the Lakers because I have no faith in the Lakers. Um, but yeah, I like the Cavs at home. They've been playing really well and I don't see why they can't keep it going. Yeah, sorry, Brian. I, I just lost uh, a bit of wind. You, you punched me right in the ribs there when you see you've got no faith in my Lakers. How dare you? But mate, uh, talking about these teams <laughs> in the East, I'm looking at the Bucks up top here, undefeated. The Cavs 5-1, and one, the Celtics at 4-2. and two. If you were to invest in any futures here in the Eastern Conference, any teams that are maybe sneaking under the radar, that present a bit more value, maybe the Raptors, the Hawks. Um, you look down below there, the Nets, Pistons, and Magic. They've been very disappointing amongst the powers uh, that be in the Eastern Conference. Give us a value play, Brian. And I do agree. Early in the season, the NBA, very tough to bet on. Slippery slope. Very, very tough. And I think, you know, uh, Boston's obviously reliable. Milwaukee's reliable. They're stalwarts. And I, yeah. usually when I look at futures... I try to bet on uh, like organizations, especially when it comes to the championship. Yeah. And then also when it comes to like things like the MVP trophy, because if you're depending on the Bucks to be one of the best teams in the East, that's because Giannis is having an MVP season. So that would make a lot of sense. And his MVP odds him at plus 320. Like, I don't think he's going to win it because there may be some voter fatigue and you have to take into account who the voters are going to want to vote for. It's why I don't think Rudy Gobert is going to win defensive player of the year, but those things matter because these ultimately are narrative driven awards because they're voted on. And I think when it comes to like MVP, for example, Joel Embiid, I think people want to get him the award, but if Philly doesn't have their act together, then how is he going to get that award? MVP is a little bit yeah. harder to predict, but then when you get to teams and team futures, like I think, you know, the Miami heat is a safe bet. I don't think they're good enough necessarily. I think but what you're betting on there is Pat Riley's going to make a move at some point. And you're betting yeah. on them to be able to come through in the Eastern Conference in that way. Or somebody like Toronto organizationally, if they make a big move, they can really get in that mix. I have questions about Fred Van Vliet's health, but 
you know, teams like that. Organizationally, you got to look for rock solid uh, people who know what they're doing and are functional, unlike the Brooklyn Nets. Brian Fonseca breaking it all down in the association. The Pistons taking on the Bucks tonight. The Bucks laying 11 and a half. Do they cover, Brian? Is that a yes? Should I load up? I like the Pistons. Um, I, I like the Pistons. Okay, lose, wow. I, was, I think they can cover that. I was very close, Brian. Enjoy your Wednesday, my man. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after. I'm Dubs Anderson. Time to talk a little baseball. The World Series Game Three last night. The Phillies getting it done over the Astros seven to nothing. We need to bring in Jim Sarnas to break it all down. Jim, what a matchup that was in Philadelphia last night. If it wasn't enough for the punters out there, we get to do it all again today. The Phillies now leading the series two to one. What did you make of last night, Jim? It was fun. Like, I don't know if I don't know if I need to have a bigger takeaway than it was fun to watch those Phillies dingers. And like, I bet the Astros money line. So like it was kind of painful. But at a certain point, once they're down like three, nothing, you're like, OK, I'm done. I can just enjoy this game. And then I got to like enjoy the the Schwarber home run, the Schwarber pose. That was pretty cool. So honestly, I just thought it was fun baseball. I think it was a pretty big shift and an important victory for the Phillies, though, too, because when you look at this, this team, they lack depth. That's kind of their biggest flaw. But when you can get a win in a Ranger Suarez start, not an Aaron Nola or a Zach Wheeler start, that's a really important win for them to get. So I thought, like from a betting perspective, getting that win for them was a massive, massive thing for them in terms of the series. And it was a, I mean, it's just a hugely important game for them to win. Yeah, Bryce Harper got him, got him off to a very strong start there in the first inning, sending one yard. He tells the rest of the team that, hey, McCullers, he's tipping. He's giving us a couple of leans. The rest of the outfit got up there and absolutely clipped him over the back fence there as well. Who has been the standout through three games? We know Bryce Harper has now put himself in the conversation. Schwarber bombs. Who else will we have in the mix there for the MVP? I think it's got to be Schwarber because when you're talking about yeah. an award like this, you're trying to find the alignment of the narrative and the performance. And obviously the performance for Bryce has been there, not just in the World Series, but also before that. But then you also have the narrative of, you know, this guy has been a top five-ish player in the league for a very long time and hadn't won a, a series. You know, suddenly he's here in the World Series. Uh, he's playing super well. He has like this like bone chilling, you know, calmness to him, which is super unnerving. So I don't know if I'd bet Harper as uh, uh, his uh, MVP odds now down to uh, 170 over at FanDuel Sportsbook. That's pretty short because there's still a chance the Astros can win the series. So personally, I'm not quite getting there on Harper, but I think it does talk me out of betting anybody else in this market. So to me, it makes the market a stay away rather than buy into Harper because I think that market is appropriate on him. But I, if I'm picking someone to win this MVP award, I feel like it has to be Bryce because of the alignment of the performance and the narrative. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree there. Jose Altuve at 18-1 to 1 to take out the MVP. He has been in a bit of a slump. He's been struggling. But Jim, I mean, how hard would it be to go into Philadelphia, one of the sporting capitals of the nation. All these crazy fans last night bringing that energy early into the game for the Astros, trying to turn it around tonight. I mean, that is a tough ballpark to play in. And you look at the advantage the Phillies have, 6-0 and 
in the postseason. Citizens Bank Park. Do you expect more of that tonight? Yeah, I think that this is a toss-up. Uh, when I run my numbers for this game, I've got the Phillies one odds at 50.7%. So basically exactly as even as you can possibly get. So it's almost a value at minus 104 on the money line, but not quite there. And even if it were, if they were to get to even money, I don't think I'd bet that one either because... Some concerns here because Aaron Nola just saw this team a couple of days ago. I think, I mean, Aaron Nola is one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. I love Aaron Nola, full respect for him for how good he is, but that is difficult. When they were talking to Harper after his home run, he said, yeah, we saw McCullers in late September and we learned something there. So the question is, did the Astros learn something against Nola just a couple of days ago that they can now translate and take over to this game facing him? Whereas Javier has not faced the Phillies this entire season. So there is an advantage for the uh, for the Astros in terms of familiarity with the opposing pitcher. So even though I've got the Phillies favored at 50.7%, I think I want to stay away from the money line here. Just some concerns around familiarity. Familiarity does matter. Nola's pitching on, um, you know, he's pitching on shorter rests than Javier as well. So some concerns there enough so where even if I were to get, you know, slight value on the Phillies, if they were to get to even money, I think I would stay away due to concerns around familiarity the Astros have with Nola. Yeah, Aaron Nola gets the go tonight for the Phillies. Christian Javier out there on the bump for the Astros. Any of the uh, strikeout props have your attention, Jim? Um, yeah. Aaron they, Nola, you know, set there, what, five, five and a click. What are you thinking? They put it pretty high, uh, and I was a bit surprised by that because when we've been looking at strikeout props for the majority of the postseason, they've been relatively conservative for good reason because we can see bullpens be pretty active. Uh, Nola's strikeout prop right now sitting at 5.5, minus 158. I cannot consider a minus 158 because the implied odds in that are above 60%, and I can't have enough confidence given they just saw him. They did kind of hit him around a little bit. There's enough there where I am fully, fully out in that one. Javier is a five and a half minus 110 or minus 112 now on the over there. I also think that's kind of a stay away because he is a high strikeout pitcher. But how long of a leash will they give him in this game? Because, you know, they were able to get McCullers to go pretty deep in that game last night. Their bullpen is not super spent right now, especially not the guys they'd be leaning on this situation. I wouldn't be shocked if they got a pretty short leash on Javier here. So I have both Nolan and Javier projected to go over their strikeout totals for today, but I still don't want to bet that because of concerns around the way this game can play out. Familiarity for Nola, potentially leaning the bullpen for Javier. So I think both those wind up being a stay away as a result of the way this game could play out. Yeah, I mean, strikeouts are cool. But they ain't as cool as home runs. Who's going to send a couple yards tonight? Can Bryce Harper maintain the hot bat? Can Schwarber keep being that guy sending him 440 yards there last night to send the Philadelphia crowd into an absolute frenzy? Any names that stand out tonight, Jim? Maybe who present a bit more value on the table? Yeah, look. Looking at Bryce Harper, he they actually keep extending his number. It's 340 now. It's like 350 for like half a second, but then bump back down to 340. So it looks like someone is uh, betting Bryce as we speak right now. And honestly, like it feels stupid to bet Bryce Harper, given how hot he has been. It feels like a, a fish play, but also... I'm a fish, you know, I'll happily take that because I think that Harper with the way he's playing right now, combined with the fact, the fact that Christian Javier is about as fly ball heavy as they come in his most relevant sample, which is his past 18 outings with uh, no changeups in the mix. He has a 57% fly ball rate allowed. That is a bit higher to righties, but his strikeout rate is also a lot lower against lefties. So 
I feel like, you know, taking the bait and going back to Harper once again for today, plus 340 right now at FanDuel Sportsbook. I think that's actually a pretty good number to get in on him. And I feel okay about that one personally. As far as uh, the Astros side goes, Nola, very much a ground ball type pitcher. The odds on the Astros side of things, not forgiving enough to get me there. So I think if I were to bet a, a home run prop, I would just go Bryce. Again, it, it feels it feels like you're taking bait. Uh, to do this, but I also feel like it is the right move based on the matchup here with Javier, based on the reduced strikeout rate against lefties that uh, Javier has, based on the way that, that Bryce is playing right now. I feel like that all does combine to make Harper actually a sneaky, decent value of plus 340. Yeah, and it's no surprise that number is uh, shortening up there for Bryce Harper because I've been rattling on about him the last couple of hours, Jim, here. I, I think that's my new favorite sportsman. I like to think if I put on a baseball outfit, I would fill it out like Bryce Harper as well. I mean, that guy is completely jacked up. So, Jim, yeah. we're looking at the Phillies. They lead the series 2-1. to one. Game 4 coming up here tonight. If they go up 3-1, to one, suddenly that series is starting to look pretty dodgy there for the Houston Astros. How do you see the series playing out, and how many games are we going to reach? Yeah, so that's an interesting thing over at FanDuel Sportsbook right now where you could actually get a, a very weird situation where you can bet the exact same, get the exact same bet at longer odds at the exact same sportsbook because right now the odds this, this series goes five games are plus 330, whereas the odds the Phillies win at four to one are plus 270. Those are the exact same outcome, but you can get one of them at plus 330. I think the odds, like if we say the Phillies win odds about 50% in each of these next two games, which I think is about correct. I've not run the numbers for game five yet, but uh, based on game four being a toss-up game five probably going to be wheeler which would be the about the exact same thing that's about three to one odds uh, for them to win both those games consecutively you can get that for plus 330 right now at FanDuel sportsbook so if you're looking for value in terms of betting this series i think that's where you go now i mentioned before that i couldn't quite talk myself into the phillies money line even if it were to get to even money I think that if you like the Phillies, I'd rather go this this route for them to win in five games or five total games in the series, which is plus 330 now at FanDuel Sportsbook. That's the only route to five games, and you're getting a pretty good number on it. So I think it's about three to one this happens. It's plus 330 right now. That's decent value and value I would be willing to take, especially if you think the Phillies have the upper hand for tonight's game. Yeah, it's been a great series thus far. The Phillies uh, up two to one. Game four coming up this evening. Viewership has been up for this year's World Series. I imagine tickets must be flying in at a pretty high clip as sports betting becomes even more prevalent across the United States. Have you seen that over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, Jim? A lot more tickets being placed on this World Series. They don't give me access to any of the... Yeah, okay. I don't get access to any of, the, okay. any, any of the fun data, but uh, I wish. I think that'd be pretty fun to know. I, I would use it, though, for, like, I want to know, like, NASCAR stuff. Like, I want to know, like, uh, you know, what's the ticket count on Kyle Larson, stuff like that. So I wish they'd give me access. John Sheeran, if you're watching, hello, hit me up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if, if they were to give me access, I think I'd use it for less fun means than for uh, than for looking at baseball stuff, unfortunately. Yeah, we're, we're, we're always talking about the other sports, and that is one of uh, you know the, the best things about sports betting. But for me, coming from Australia, Jim, amongst the World Series with two sides like the Phillies and the Astros, there's a lot of history. I love Philadelphia chasing their first series since 2008. I mean, I look at it, and it's, it's got to be one of the most purest sports that we're able to, to witness and watch. These guys, they're still playing in their old-school uniforms, nothing about the field has changed the clip. You know, we can measure these uh, performances from the last five, the last 10 years. I know they say that some of these players uh, are maybe pushing the boundaries with the Astros. We saw Framba Valdez there maybe using a little uh, questionable substance in the palms, but 
I've been absolutely delighted. We look at these numbers to now take out the World Series. The Phillies are minus 155. I'm going to be that guy. I like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> I'm leaning with the Phillies. One final look here, Jim, before we get you out. Who's who's taking it out? Who's getting the ring? Who's I think getting the title? I think I do lean towards Philadelphia because of what we discussed right at the top, uh, where we were talking about how they won a game where it wasn't started by Nola or Wheeler. So that's just a big advantage for them because if you can nullify the biggest weakness on this team, which is their lack of depth, and make that suddenly not matter, and you have... Nola and Wheeler coming out for the next couple of games, like that's a pretty big edge for Philadelphia. I do think that the Astros are still very live in this series. You know, I don't want to count them out by any means because they've got this insane offense, which hasn't clicked yet, but very easily could. And they did just see Nola. They have seen Wheeler now. So maybe they can turn things around the second time they're facing these two guys. So there is still a, a path, a very obvious path to the Astros winning this series. But I do think that Philadelphia, again, they kind of clipped off their their major concern, which is their lack of depth. They now get Nola back out there again. You know, some question marks around that, given they did just see him. But I think it all adds up to make Philadelphia the right side of this one. Uh, minus 155 right now seems like a very good number. And again, I think that if I am betting this one, I'd rather go towards that number of games market, plus 330 to be five games, just because it gets you access to the Phillies, lets you buy into them, and also kind of helps you navigate around the lack of depth. Because... We're going to have Nola. We're going to have Wheeler. Don't have to worry about uh, game five and six. If they lose one of those games, you know it's plus 330. It happens. But I think that that is the best value route to betting on the Phillies here, given the composition of their team, given the way the rotations break down, given the fact that both these games are in Philadelphia as well. Jim Sarnas breaking it all down ahead of game four in the World Series tonight. The Phillies have all the momentum. The Astros have all the experience. They've been here and done it all before, but... It is the World Series, Jim, a stage unlike any other. I expect it to be an absolute raucous environment there at Citizens Bank Park tonight. Are we going to see some runs? Overs or unders? What do you so. think, Jim? I want okay, to see some gonna, runs. I want to see some dingers. That's all I asked for. Let's see some dingers. Send them, yard. Jim Sarnas from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Have a Wednesday, Jim. Catch up again soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the morning after. I'm Dubs Anderson filling in for Ben Stevens here on a Wednesday morning. Benny should be back in the saddle tomorrow morning. And of course, we've got World Series Game 4 coming up tonight. We've got a World Series special here on the Sports Grid Network, 6 p.m. Eastern. Yours truly and Joe Ranieri breaking it all down. But before we get that game underway, I feel like I've just got to dish out a dime because we're coming off an absolute heater here yesterday morning. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for our best bet, or as we call it, bye-bye-bye. All right, the pressure is on. Dishing out a dime there last night. We need the Phillies to get more than three and a half runs. They cashed that one out. So we're going back to the world tonight. Game four in the World Series and I'm going to go towards the Astros, the first to score three runs at plus 104. That's a fantastic number. And this is a side that needs the bounce back. They got shut out last night. That was embarrassing. I'm looking at the likes of Alvarez, Pena, Jose Altuve. These guys need to find their bats and they need to find them tonight or this World Series 
could be well and truly out of their grasp in Philadelphia. Game four coming up here. We're going to ride with the Astros. First to three runs tonight. I think they start very, very quickly, and they silence that Philadelphia crowd, and that's going to be a big factor for them if it turns out to be a bit of an arm wrestle. Get that crowd out of the equation and make it a ball game. We're going to say the Astros get first to three. Do they get the win? I don't know. I can't guarantee that one, but I do think we see a fair few runs again tonight. The bats on both sides will decide to show up there in Philly. Bring on game four of the World Series. What a Wednesday we have coming up here. Champions League football. PGA Tour getting started tomorrow. Thursday night football coming up there tomorrow. Benny Stevens back in the mix tomorrow morning. I am Dubs Anderson. It has been nothing but a blast with our special guest, dishing out dimes and back in winners. And again, tonight, World Series special right here on the Sports Grid Network with Joe Ranieri and myself, 6 p.m. Eastern. This has been the morning after. Go and get yourself a coffee, get those tickets in, and have yourself a Wednesday.